0: word and I pray you prepare the hearts of your children in this congregation this morning to receive a word and don't let the fowls of the air take this word God but let this word be sown on good soil this morning don't let it go ineffective Lord let it penetrate someone's heart this morning God and bring about a great harvest in their life Lord we claim it that the word is going to do something this morning and we pray all this in Jesus name and all the saints said Amen. Come on, give a round of applause to the great God that we serve. Hallelujah. So my title this morning is Resisting First Place. And you know the movement, the church movement, the ministry movement, the I Am Second movement. Has anyone heard of that? I Am Second, right? They have the merchandise, the shirts, the bumper stickers, the bracelets, the keychains, the uh, wallets, the, the phone covers. They have all this stuff, and it says, I Am Second. And it's an awesome movement, right? It's an awesome movement. And I was thinking about it, right? And a lot of times in the church, right, we want to say that we're second to God and we want to put a shirt on that says I am second and we want to slap a bumper sticker on our uh, truck or our car that says I am second. But becoming second in your life is a whole lot more than just wearing a shirt. It's a whole lot more than just talking about it. It's a whole lot more than just telling everybody on your Facebook, on your status that I am second, Amen. It's more than just that. And what I've come to realize in my walk with God, if I don't put effort in resisting first place in my life, I will slowly but surely become the king of my heart and my life. And so when it comes to first place, we have to resist it with a resistance, a relentless resistance. Because if you don't put effort towards becoming second in your life and allowing God to be first, I promise you, you will drift and to becoming the God of your life. You will drift into becoming the God of your life. I was listening to a preacher yesterday, and he said something so awesome. He said, you know what's wrong with most of the church today? And I'm not saying Christians, I'm saying the church, because there's a difference between a church girl and a Christian. There's a difference. You know what's wrong with most of the church today? They're trying to sell fruit to people that they don't even have. They're trying to convince somebody of a gospel that they don't even participate in. They're trying to sell fruit that they don't even have. And do you know what Jesus taught us? Jesus taught us and he told us all we have to do is grow the fruit and people will come by and see the fruit and they will pick the fruit because they see it and they like it. You ain't got to try and sell something you don't got. Just produce it in your life. Pursue a genuine, intimate relationship with Jesus. Let the fruit of the Holy Spirit produce in your life and I promise you, It's going to look attractive to an unbeliever. I promise you, it's going to look attractive to the backslider. I promise you. You don't have to try and convince somebody to pursue a relationship with Jesus. All you got to do is pursue, and they're going to want what you have. They're going to want to do what you do. They're going to want to be who you are. You ain't got to try and sell it. Just produce it in your own life. But the title this morning is Resisting First Place. And this book of Haggai right here, It was written to the people, people just like us, written to people just like us, and they could have told you that God's supposed to be first, and they believe in their life in the book of Haggai, these people in Judah, they believed God was supposed to be first. They would tell people God's supposed to be first, but they had drifted into a way of life where their intellectual belief in God was not reflected in the way they lived, You see, they had a head knowledge, they believed it, they could talk real good, but it wasn't represented, it wasn't reflected in the way they were living. You see, they gave lip service to the priority of God, but in fact, they lived with other priorities. They could tell you that God is supposed to be first, but God wasn't first in their life. And so God sent the prophet Haggai and later on even Zechariah to preach the word and bring a word. You see, this book of Haggai, it was in 536 B.C. And what had happened in the book of Jeremiah, God's people were exiled to the city of Babylon. You know that? remember that? They were exiled to the city of Babylon. And in 530 B.C., the king in Babylon actually made a decree and he allowed 50,000 of God's people to return to Judah to return to the promised land. Because these 50,000 people, they came together and they said, hey, we shouldn't be in Babylon. We shouldn't be in the world. We should be back in the promised land. We should be back in the church. We should be back living for God. So these people, they had a sense of dedication and commitment to God. They weren't living in the world. They weren't in Babylon, right? But their priorities was jacked up. And so the King Cyrus made a decree And what had happened is when they went back, when they first went back to Judah, you know what they did? They laid a foundation. It took two years for them to do this, to get real worship, to get real worship back. Because the first thing you got to do is you got to get real worship back. See, you can try and serve God, but if you ain't worshiping, it's only going to last a little bit of time. You can make it work for a little bit, but you ain't going to long last this thing. You ain't going to endure, as the word says. you got to have real worship. And so what happens is that they bring real worship back. In a matter of two years, God says, rebuild my temple. Rebuild my house, work in the church, build the church, serve in the church, deny your priorities, deny your life, and help us build this thing. That's what God is saying. And so these people, do you know what they did? They began to lay a foundation. They laid a foundation, just like some of us, especially in the home. We come to the home and we're broken. We're busted. We're disgusted. Couldn't our own family trust us? We're out there and we're hurting. We're full of pain. Sometimes we come into the church like that. And we we begin to dedicate and we begin to commit our life to Jesus. You see, we lay a foundation. And these people in Judah, they laid a foundation for the church. But as soon as they laid a foundation, guess what happened? Opposition came. Opposition came to the people who laid a foundation. Whoever told you this thing called Christianity is going to be easy, they lied to you. And as soon as they started serving God, that's when real opposition came. And these people in Judah, what they did when they laid the foundation, the opposition had come. And do you know what they did? They stopped building. The first time they had a real little problem in the church, they stopped coming. The first time they didn't get their way where they wanted to serve, they quit serving. First time a little opposition came, guess what they did? They threw up their hands and they said, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe I don't need to do this. Maybe I don't need to labor. Maybe I don't need to serve in the church. Maybe I'm better just sitting in a chair. This is the, this is the, the reality these people were living, right? And at least 14 years had passed by. In this book, 14 years had passed by these 50,000 men. They weren't in the world no more. They weren't in Babylon no more. They weren't out there in their sin no more. But they were right in the promised land where they they began to make a commitment. They began to dedicate their life. They were there, and 14 years had passed by. And you see, these people, they got caught up. Somebody say caught up. They got caught up in the routine of life. They just started farming, building houses, raising families, you know, that sort of thing, right? They got used to a life without the temple. These people in Judah got used to a life without the temple. Whew. They was doing their own thing, furthering their own life, progressing their own standard, right? They were uh, living for self and making sure self got what it needed to further, to go forward. They got used to life without the temple or serving in the temple or furthering the kingdom of God or furthering the church or furthering the ministry. They got used to a life without that. And so Haggai comes in with Zechariah, and he comes in, and they just preach up a storm. They preach up a storm, and they say, listen, the reason this is going on in your life, is nothing what, what, what the enemy's telling you. It's nothing what you can come up with in your own wisdom, your own religion, your own thoughts. I'm going to tell you plain and simple why it's happening. God is not the first in your heart. He's not first place. He's not God. You've lowered him. Lower than you in your life, and you've raised self to the throne of your heart. And this is why this stuff is happening. Write this down. True blessing only comes from putting God first. True blessing only comes from putting God first. True blessing only comes from putting God first. That's why Jesus said it in Matthew, right? Seek his kingdom in his righteousness. When? First. Seek his kingdom and his righteousness first and everything else will be added unto you. Everything else will be added unto you. Right? Right there, he gave us a formula. You ain't got to try and figure out how, how you're going to get this and how this is going to work and how you're ever going to go forward. All you got to do is seek God's kingdom. All you got to do is further God's kingdom. And guess what? God's kingdom is always going forward. It's always going forward. Jesus said the gates of hell cannot prevail against this. Can't nothing stop this. Can't no uh, angry uh, person in the community stop this from going forward. This is the church. This is the house of God. And the gates of hell cannot even prevail against it. So when opposition comes, don't fret, don't worry, child. I'm with you, says the Lord. I'm with you. You ain't got to worry about it. It may look bad. The situation may contradict the kingdom of God going forward, but it ain't going to last long because Jesus promised us in the word. God promised us in the word, amen? But true blessing, it only comes from putting God first, amen? So I'll ask Brother Elliot to come forward. I got a physical illustration here for you this morning. I know a lot of y'all are visual learners, right? You can actually see, amen? You can actually see. I know you're real excited, amen? Amen? They all thought about drug testing me yesterday. I'm gathering all these rocks outside and putting them in my room what is wrong with him dude I don't know man he's acting strange (laughs) he's out there gathering rocks he even pulled some of the homeboys out there (laughs) what's going on with him amen and so we see this right here we see this jar is this jar full or is it empty okay this jar is empty right and then you got these big rocks right and you put these how do you get it in You got these big rocks, and you put these big rocks in, right? Is this full or is this empty? It's full? Are you sure? Here's some gravel. I'm still fitting more in. Amen. Now is this full or is this empty? It's full? (sighs) But I can still get more in. Now here's sand. Feel that? Look, I'm still going. Still full on it. Still feeling it. Now, is this full or is this empty? Is this fuller? Is this full or is this empty? Huh? I bet I can get water in. It ain't full yet. Look at that. Put it back. Boom. And now it's finally full, right? So what am I trying to teach you? What am I trying to show you? You can always fill it up more. Details. People in the home, I got to get this right. He's going to take me off this one if I get it right. I seen a preacher share this one time. He showed this. And a very bright young lady She said, I know what you're trying to show us. You're trying to show us no matter how busy our schedule is, we can always fit more in. right?" And the preacher's like, hey, that's good, but no, that's not what I'm trying to show you. You see, there's no other way to get those big rocks in first unless you put them in first. And this right here is a representation of your walk with God. If you don't put God first, I can guarantee you you won't put him anywhere else. You won't put him anywhere else. The only way to fit God in your life is put him first. The only way to put Jesus in your life is put him first. Because what will happen is if you don't put God first in your money and you don't put God first in your time and you don't put God first in your heart, guess what? Life happens. And stuff happens. And we get in a routine and we start doing stuff and guess what? You're gonna leave God out. If you don't put him first, there's no other way I can get those big rocks in. I put everything in first and then try to fit the big rocks in. It ain't going to work. It ain't going to fit. The only way to fit God in your life is put him first. That's it. It don't work any other way. I've tried it. Well, I'm going to do all this and then, then I'll let Jesus have the third part of my life or the fourth part of my life. And guess what? I don't even give him that. I get caught up doing something else and going and doing something else. Jesus has to be the foundation. He's got to be the first. He's got to be the first thing you put in your day. He's got to be the first thing you put in your, in your wallet. He's got to be the first thing you put in your service. He's got to be the first thing that we put in the church. That's why when you come in here and we're in prayer, that's why this home is in prayer. You know why? Because we're trying to usher in God into this building. We're putting him first. We're putting him first. We're putting him first. You know, I saw Pastor Raymond one time. We had a, a, a conference, and he had allowed all the pastors to come in the room. And we were about to have this meeting, and we always have, you know, the, these meetings, and we always have nice food for the green room, for the pastors. We all come in right before the conference, and we meet. And Pastor Raymond, he brought his little speaker in. Everybody's like, oh, what is he doing? Just putting some little prayer serenade on for everybody when they walk up. And he puts his speaker in, and he, he puts some worship on. And all these pastors are hey, what's going on? You know, there's food we're about to eat. We're about to meet, right? And Pastor Raymond stands up, and he says, everybody stand up and worship God with me. And do you know what those pastors told me? The other pastors from Houston and, and uh, Dallas and, and uh, Fort Worth, you know what they told me? They said that was the first time that in a pastor's meeting they ever worshiped God together. They said that really touched their heart. You know what Pastor Raymond did? He made sure God was first in that meeting. Because if you don't put it first, you ain't gonna put it nowhere else. You ain't gonna put it nowhere else. If you don't put it first, you ain't gonna put it nowhere else. Amen? Number one, this is my first point, three points and then we're watching the Cowboys later. Number one. Number one. We are all, somebody say all. We are all prone to put ourselves first place. I don't care how much of a holy roller you think you are. I don't care how many, how many, how many churches you preach at. I don't care how, how long you used to pray. We are all prone to put ourselves first place. You know what the Apostle Paul said in the book of Romans? We're talking dude wrote 13 books in the New Testament. Dude was so anointed, they was taking his bandana and the bandana was casting out demons. He was throwing a bandana, a snotty rag on people. They was like, ah, ah. Oh, right? Demon flew out. <laughs> Snot and all. Demon flew out. Ah. Dude was anointed. You know what he said in the book of Romans? He said, wretched man that I am, who's going to deliver me from this body of death? You know what he's saying? It don't matter how spiritual you get, you're still flesh. You still got flesh. I don't care how long you've been in this thing, you still got flesh. And if you're not careful and you're not constantly evaluating your life, guess what? You're going to put self first. You're going to put self first. We are all prone to put self first. Saints, if we don't give any thought to how we're living, if we don't pay any attention to what's driving us, what's motivating us, automatically we will start living for self. We will start living for self. If you don't constantly examine your own life, examine your own heart. Isn't that what the word says? To examine your own heart. And even the psalmist, even the psalmist said, hey, I got to examine my heart. God, help me, show me. Because something in my life ain't adding up to what your word says. So examine my heart. Examine my life. And my question is to you this morning, what is driving you? What is driving you to get up in the morning? What is motivating you to get through the heartache? What is empowering you to get through your trial? What is driving you? But listen, not everyone, some of us deliberately put self first, but not everyone deliberately put self first, right? We begin, we lay a foundation in Jesus, start serving God, and then we just kind of slowly drift into putting self on first place. That's why I'm tired of this resisting first place because first place in your life, you have to resist it. It's not something you can just say or talk about. It's something you have to actually put action to. You have to diligently make sure you're not serving self and self is not more than God in your life. You have to. These people in Haggai, they began to rebuild the temple and opposition came. So they backed up and they started just living life. Opposition came like, hey, whoa, I didn't ask for all that. I was just trying to help in the church, right? I'm trying to do all that. Wow, this is crazy, right? None of this stuff even happened until I started serving. Opposition came. When God's people was wandering in the wilderness, you know the only enemy they had was self. The only enemy you got when you're wandering and you're not driven to do something for God is flesh. The only enemy you got is flesh. But when you begin to get a drive for God and you begin to get motivated to do something for Jesus and not only just live for self or profit your own kingdom or profit your own life, guess what? Then opposition is going to come. When they crossed, when Joshua he took the manna from Moses and he led the people across the Jordan and they started taking cities for God. They started taking the promised land. What God had already said is yours, they started believing God and they started taking it. And that's when opposition came. That's when opposition came. And this opposition came to the people of Haggai, so they just started living life. You see, they were still in the promised land, they weren't back in Babylon, but because of routine and tradition, They actually started living for self without even noticing it. They started living for self, and they didn't even realize it. They didn't even know it. They didn't even realize it. And this is what I've come to find out. People who put themselves first before God, they always have awesome excuses to why they can't put God first. Their excuses are out of this world. They're like, whoa, almost got you believing it. You're like, yeah, man, that's... Yeah, well, you ain't got time for church. You're right, man. Yeah, you got all kinds of stuff going on. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, you definitely ain't got time. Man, wow, you're good. Do you want to know why people's excuses who are serving self are so good? You want to know why? I know this because I lived it. You want to know why? Because the Holy Spirit is already dealing with that person on the inner man, and they're already giving the Holy Ghost excuses in their inner man why they can't do this and why they can't serve there, and why they can't spend time here. And so when you ask them, they're already prepared. Oh, this is why, boom, because they've already been reflecting it off the Holy Ghost in their inner man. They've already been arguing with God. They've already been resisting God because the Holy Spirit's the first one on the scene. You come second. He's already dealing with that person, already dealing with that person. And the excuses, they're well rehearsed. But just like Moses, right excuses only cover what's really going on. God's not first in your life. That's all excuse does. It's just a cover-up, right? Because God's not first in your life. God's not first place. You are. Self is first place. You're first place in your life. God's not first place. And that's all excuses are. They're just a cover-up. What's really going on is God is not first place in your life. Amen? Amen? And for some of you, you shouldn't be cheering on the sidelines if you're able to run the race. Amen? Oh, good word, man. I'm glad you served. I'm glad you did that. Oh, I'm glad you picked up the stuff outside. I'm glad you cleaned. Why can't you help? <laughs> you know, you shouldn't be cheering on the sidelines if you're able to run the race. If you're able to serve, you shouldn't be over on the sidelines just criticizing and just saying, well, 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 no wonder that worked. You shouldn't be over on the sidelines. You should be right there in the movement. You should be right there serving. You should be right there helping. You should be right there helping rebuild the temple, doing the work of God. Amen? So number one, we're all prone to put ourselves first. Number two, my second point. Number two, when we put ourselves first, we actually become blind to what God is doing. When we put ourselves first, we actually become blind to what God is doing. Haggai chapter 1, Haggai chapter 1 verse 6. And the word reads like this. This is what Haggai is saying to the people. You've sown much, but you harvest little. You eat, but there's not enough to be satisfied. You drink, but there's not enough to become drunk. You put on clothing, but it says no one's warm enough. And he who earns, earns wages to do what? Only to put it in a purse with holes. Oh, I don't understand. I'm doing this. I'm trying to come up and it's never working out for me. Is God first in your life? Oh, ain't this working? I'm sitting, every time there's another problem, there's no problem. Is God first in your life? These people, they were actually blind to what was going on in their life because God wasn't first. They couldn't even see what God was doing. They couldn't even see it was the hand of God. They couldn't even see it because they're so focused on self. They can't even hear from God right now. All they hear is their king's stomach saying, "What when are we going to McDonald's next? When we get some chicken? When, when are we going to eat? What's going on? They couldn't even hear from God. They didn't understand what God was doing. Go to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, verse 27. These people, I mean, when I read that scripture, I was like, wow. They did all this stuff only to put it in a purse with holes. That's why when, you know, pastor shares in that that scripture Malachi for offering, you know, that's real stuff. That's real stuff. You know, bring the tithe into the storehouse. Bring the tithe into the church so God can rebuke the devourer for you. So he can give you the right purse to put your coins in. Amen? But Mark chapter 8, verse 27. This is right here. This is a man who put Jesus second. This is a physical example of someone who put Jesus second. And the Word of God reads. It says, Jesus went out along with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he questioned his disciples. And he said to them, Who do people say that I am? And they told him, saying, John the Baptist, another say, Elijah, but others, one of the prophets. And he continued questioning them, but who do you say that I am? You know what he's doing here? You can never come to know Jesus off of what somebody else knows about him. You got to come to know Jesus personally. You can come to church your whole life and I can preach to you. But until you begin to seek Jesus, you're never going to have it. You're never going to get it. It's about a relationship. It's a relationship. He's saying, who do you say I am? I know what everybody's saying. You see all these people blessed, serving God. I see, I see all this. You see it. But who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? And Peter, Peter answered, he said, you're the Christ, right? You're the Christ. And he warned them to tell no one about him. And he began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he was stating the matter plainly and Peter, Peter took Jesus aside and he put Jesus second. He said, listen, right now I'm putting you second. Let me be first and let me tell you how it is. You ever been there with God? God, I know you're telling me to do that, but listen, I ain't doing all that. I ain't going to do it. can't make me do it. won't do it. God's like, okay. (laughs) All right. Maybe I just need to get you to bump your head a few times. And so you're willing to do it. And Peter took him aside, he began to rebuke him, and he said this, keep going. But turning around and seeing his disciples, Jesus rebuked Peter, and he said, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. You know what he's saying right here? I'm not first place. You are, Peter. He says, get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on God's interest. You're not putting God first, but you're putting God second. You're focused on man's interest. He, was actually, he actually pulled Jesus aside and was like, Jesus, it ain't going down like that. Look, This is what's going to happen, and I ain't going to let it go down like that. And Jesus turned and rebuked his disciple, and he said, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. And a lot of times what I've come to find out in ministry, we get distracted from what doing what God wants by doing something good. We get distracted from doing what God wants to go do something good. It's not always sin and it's not always evil, what we get distracted with. Sometimes it looks real good. It looks like the right thing, but there's a right way in the eyes of man that leads to death. We get distracted with doing what God wants by doing something good, doing something productive, doing something that looks right, and I honestly believe from the bottom of my heart, I honestly believe that I know people in my life, I know people in my life personally that are just going in circles, going in the same circle, going in the same circle because they never truly surrender to the will of God. They never truly surrender their everything to Jesus. They always, they always let God be first place until they like what they see and then they take first place back from God and put him in second. I honestly, I can confidently say that. can confidently say that. People in my life that are going in circles. How can I say that? How can I? Because I've done it. I've lived it. I know it. I let God be first place. I let him be in the driver's seat until I like where I was at in my life, until I like what I saw, until I like what was going on. And then Jesus said, hey, I need you to serve and do this. And I said, no, get in the passenger seat, Jesus. I got it from here. And every time I was headed for a wreck. Every time headed for a wreck. I'm here to tell you today, personally, I can tell you, if you don't let God remain in first place, you're headed for a wreck too. You may just be headed for a relationship that God never intended for you and a heartache that you never had to experience. You may just be headed for a divorce that you never had to experience. You may just be headed for a bankruptcy that you never had to experience. That's what happens when we get in first place. You might just be headed for a relapse you never had to experience. Let's be real. That's when you put Jesus in second place and you take the mantle and say, "I'm first in my life. I call the shots." In my life, I call the shots. I say what goes. God get in second place. I got it from here. It's a sad thing to see, too. It's a sad thing to see. It's a sad thing to see. And guess what? You know what the secret is? Those who put themselves in first place, they never get what they're after. Never. When you put God second and you put yourself in first place, you never get what you're after. Never. You never get what you're after. And you always end up in the same road, broken again, broken again. I'll tell the guys Monday morning, I say, "You know what wisdom is? Wisdom is learning from someone else's mistakes. And applying it to your life. And not having to learn the hard way. Amen. And as much people in this room have learned the hard way. There should be a lot of wisdom being shared in this house. Amen. There should be a whole lot of wisdom going on in this place. Amen. But that's what wisdom is. It's seeing somebody else's life and saying man I saw how that uh, the outcome was for him. And so I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do something different. That's wisdom. That's wisdom people in my life and it's really sad and I hate to see it man put such a burden on me because you know you know where they're headed for a wreck but you can't convince them no matter what you say you can't convince them you can't you'll sit there and plead with God for hours please God let them get it please God don't allow them to, to go through that again don't let them to go to that again God please let them get it this time Jesus and it's such a burden for the men of God in your life It's a burden. You see them and you know they're headed for it. And they're not trying to hear it. I ain't trying to hear it. I'm living for me. I'm putting self first. God second. I don't care what y'all got to say. I don't care what kind of counsel you got. I don't care what God says. Okay. We'll catch you on the rebound. We'll catch you on the rebound. Guess what? And this house will still be open. And guess what? The same people will still be here serving God, living blessed. Living blessed. The same people. Living for God. Blessed. Blessed. I go pastor used to tell me all the time. Yeah, Alex might be the the pastor when you get it. Alex just might be the pastor when you get it. But thank you, Jesus. I got it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But Alex might be the pastor when some some of y'all get it. (laughs) It'd be a cold pastor. You moron, you did it again. You moron. They've been trying to tell you for years, moron. Go watch my Ferrari, moron. <laughs> Amen. But it's a burden, man, for the men of God. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. And then the man of God gets in a position like this, you know, and I've seen it from my pastor, my spiritual mother, and, you know, me, myself. And then, then you know, the enemy starts hitting the man of God. Well, maybe you don't need to open your heart to that person. Maybe you need to not open your heart to that person. And then right then the enemy tries to bring an offense in, tries to build off that offense, tries to close off the man of God's heart towards you. Yeah. You think you're the only one that's dealing with something in the circumstance? You ain't. And then the man of God says, man, I don't even know if I can do this again with this dude. But thank you, Jesus, there's a holy God that's inside of the man of God that every time and says, you know what, he can get it this time. I'm going to share the love of Christ with him. I'm going to open the doors. I'm going to open my heart. I'm going to open my Bible. And for a lot of y'all, we're going to open the fridge, and we're going to share a meal with you. There's a holy God in heaven that don't give up. Even when you give up, God don't give up on you. Hallelujah. God, don't give up on you. We serve a faithful God. The word says he's faithful even when you ain't. Even when you ain't. You can even have have a sin on your mind and guess what? God's still gonna reach out for you. God's still gonna reach out for you. We serve a faithful God, hallelujah. And you're lucky that faithful God lives inside of the man of God. Because if it wasn't for God, buddy, If it wasn't for God, amen? Number three. Number three, putting God first, putting God first, it takes willful and deliberate action. Putting God first takes willful and deliberate action. You can't just tell everybody God's first in my life, right? And then don't do nothing for Jesus all week. It don't work like that. Can't slap a bumper sticker on your car that says, I am second. And don't even go to church. Don't even share the gospel with nobody. It don't work like that. You can't just show up to church and say you're doing what God wants you to do. That ain't true. Jesus, before he ascended on the eastern side of the Mount of Olives, you know what he said? His real disciples, the people really following Jesus, you know what he said? He said, go preach the gospel to everything. Everybody and everything and make disciples of all nations. That's what he told a Christian to do. That's what he told a Christian to do. Isn't it funny today, church, we've deduced the gospel to just showing up and paying your tithe. That ain't the gospel, that's church. That's not the gospel, right? The gospel is sharing what's what's been shared with you freely and discipling somebody, the stuff that you've learned, the stuff that you've been equipped with. Preaching the gospel and discipling. In Acts chapter 14, verse 12, Paul was called a god because of what God was doing through him. These people around Paul, around this man of God, this anointed man of God, the people around the anointed man of God, right, they actually started exalting Paul above God. They were saying, oh, you're like a god. And they began calling Barnabas Zeus and Paul Hermes because of the chief, he was the chief speaker. They were doing awesome wonders and awesome miracles right? And they were like, oh, they were trying to exalt him above God. And do you know what Paul willfully and deliberately did? You know what he did? He said, no, I'm not God, but there's a God in me and you can have the same relationship with him as I do. I'm not God. Don't exalt me to more than what I am. I'm just a man serving the one in heaven, He willfully and deliberately had to do it. And if you don't take action, if you don't willfully and deliberately put God first, you will drift and put God in second place. You got to evaluate your life constantly. Examine your heart. Am I putting God first or is every decision and every action, everything I do, is it only revolved around self? You got to constantly evaluate yourself. Constantly examine your heart. Because there will be a time, no matter how young you are in this thing, no matter how old you are in this thing, there will be a time where your will and God's will collide. Well, I'll serve God for a year and then I'm going, back, I'm going back to live in my myself. And God says, no, I want your whole life, son. This ain't just a year. I want your whole life. I want you to serve me with your whole life. And that's when your will collides with God's will. Right? Your will collides with God's will. There are so many people in my life, like I said before, so many people in my life that are settling for the world and what it has to offer and not following Jesus because they're not willing to let go of something they love more than God. They're settling for the world and what the world has to offer because they're not willing to let go of something they love more than God. Hmm. Job, relationship, friends, places, occupation, hobbies, taste of music, whatever. They're settling for the world and what it has to offer because they're not willing to let go of it. Amen. Amen. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. Worship team, y'all can go ahead and start coming up. Philippians chapter 2, verse 19, in the Word of God reads. But I hope in the Lord Jesus, and this is Paul writing to the church of Philippi. But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly. Right? Send Timothy to you shortly. Who was Timothy? Timothy was Paul's disciple. And so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. Keep going. Verse 20. This is what the the pastor, Pastor Paul, this is what Pastor Paul says about his disciple Timothy. To the church of Philippi, he's writing to the whole church. He says, listen, Philippi, church, I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. Keep going. Wow. You know what Paul says about everyone around him, except for Timothy? He says, they all, somebody say all. all. They all seek their own interest, not those of Christ Jesus. I was sharing with a brother yesterday and uh, I was telling him, you want to know who pastor, you know, the director, leader, real men of God, do you want to know who men of God keep around them? You want to know who men of God keep around them? People that put God first. Think about it. You got a man of God who's called to further the kingdom of God and all you're talking about is furthering self and you're wondering why the pastor won't spend time with you. Come on, man. Jeez. All you're talking about is coming up, furthering your own kingdom, your own plans, your own dreams. You're wondering why, why you can't, you know what I'm saying? Get to the men of God. Because around here, we're focused on the kingdom of God. We're focused on building the church. We're focused on preaching the gospel. We're focused on another drug addict coming to Jesus. Hallelujah. We're focused on another alcoholic putting down the gym mean. Amen. Focus on another homeless man coming into a home and becoming family. Come on now. we focused on the kingdom of God around here. That's why if you're solely just focused on self, right, you're going to feel like you don't fit in. That's what it is. If you're only focused on self and what you can get from the church, what you can get from the men of God, and what you can get from God, you're going to feel like you don't fit in. Because around here, we're focused on something bigger than just us. We're focused on something bigger than just us. We're focused on the kingdom of God, man. Somebody getting saved. Somebody putting down the drugs. Somebody getting delivered. Amen? First Corinthians chapter 9. I read the scripture yesterday. First Corinthians 9 verse 24, brother. And I was kind of confused. I was like, what? The word of God reads. It says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives prize? And this part right here, it me for a little bit. It said, run in such a way that you may win. Run in such a way that you may win. And I started thinking about it you know, running, and, and I related, my mind started going on track in my former glory days when I was like 80 pounds less and I ran track, right? And I was real fast. And I remember I'd be out there in these meetings, there was this one person that always beat me at the track meet. And I'd see him, he'd be in first place. And I'd give it everything I got and I was I was coming for him, you know what I'm saying? Just forming everything, just coming for him, giving everything I got. And I remember my coach saying one time in practice, we were out there and we were running the laps, running the laps in my school, Nobody, nobody was faster than me in my school, right? And so when I go out to practice, when I would run and I would practice, they'd all be behind me. And I'd be in first place. Right? And my coach would come to me, young, go, go. And I'm like, man, I want you to chill out, man, I'm it, right? Chill out. I'd always be in first place running practice. I'd always be in first place. And then he showed me, my coach showed me one day through video. He says, you know when you're in first place, you always let it up at the finish line. You know what he told me? And I never got it till I was saved. You know what he told me? He says, when you're in first place, you never give it everything you got. You never give it everything you got. I had to have somebody in front of me. I had to chase them to give it everything I got. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning, there is one who can go before you, and his name is Jesus. And if you put yourself in second place, and you run... After the one who should be in first, you will cross the finish line. Glory to God. Some of you right now, you're only just getting by in life. You're only just getting by. You're not living the abundant life that Jesus wants you to live. You want to know why? Because Jesus ain't in first place right now in your heart. Put Jesus in first and run with everything you've got. Chase him. Give it your all. Reach your potential. Answer the call of God in your life. Come after Jesus and everything you got said in this place this morning. Jesus wants to be first. But if self is first, you will never reach the finish line. You won't ever reach the finish line if self is first. As the lights fade, this worship team is going to leave this house into the presence of God. And I pray, my prayer this morning is I can just get one or two or just a handful of people that surrender their life to God this morning to stop living for self, to give it all to Jesus. Answer the call of your life. Put God where He is supposed to be in first place. If you're serving self, you're not serving Jesus. in your life. So let's, as a congregation, there's so much to do in the kingdom of God right now. There's so much to do in this ministry. This church It's unreal. So as a body of believers, as a spiritual family, let's chase after Jesus and what he has for us in this season. I want to know you, Lord, I want to know you, Lord, like I know a friend, I want to know you, Lord, so I'm laying down all my Laying down